Welcome to the East Memorial Ministries podcast. This podcast is the central hub for all audio publications of East Memorial Baptist Church out of Prattville, Alabama. So grab a pen, paper, and your copy of God's Word, and let's study God's truth together. I am indeed grateful for those who participate in the music ministry. What a blessing. It... um, I have a difficult time missing Sundays, not because I want to preach necessarily, but uh, I just hate not being here with the church family and uh, participating in the music ministry. I do not sing unless there's hundreds of other folks singing with me, So, uh, but uh, it is good to come together. You have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 24. It's good to see folks from California visiting with us today, and so uh, there are some conservative folks that live in California. They are a distinct minority, but there are some, but uh, we're glad to have Josh's parents with us today and a number of other visitors as well, and not to mention uh, Lindley and Mackenzie, is that right? I get that right, so uh, as well. In Matthew 24, it is uh, the Olivet Discourse, and the disciples have asked about when will all these things be in the end of the times. Verse 4 and 5, Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. It is interesting, as you look at this, you skip on down to verse 24, false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, deceive, if possible, even the elect. The concept, the idea of being misled, uh, oftentimes uh, the church does not grasp, does not discern. And they think anybody who comes in Jesus' name is true and genuine. Anybody who comes and utilizes even Scripture is genuine and real. And they just get along. They just fall in line. But the fact of the matter is that there are many deceivers who have gone out. Now, this is very important. I mean, we're coming up next week, and uh, we call it Halloween, but it's All Saints Day. It is the day in which it is recognized that Luther nailed his thesis to the castle door at Wittenberg. And we need to understand and go back historically. I want to read to you a couple of things here. And this is, and, and this is not a Christian reading here. This, this is from the great, wonderful, scholarly work known as Wikipedia. But you listen to this. Luther was ordained to the priesthood in 1507. He came to reject several teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church in particular. He disputed the view on indulgences. Luther proposed an academic discussion of the practice and efficacy of indulgences in his 95 Theses of 1517. 
his refusal to renounce all of his writings at the demand of Pope Leo X in 1520 and the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V at the Diet of Worms in 1521 resulted in his excommunication by the Pope and condemnation as an outlaw by the Holy Roman Emperor. Luther taught that salvation and consequently eternal life are not earned by good deeds, but are received only as the free gift of God's grace through the believer's faith in Jesus Christ as Redeemer from sin. His theology challenged the authority and office of the Pope by teaching that the Bible is the only source of divinely revealed knowledge and opposed sacerdotalism by considering all baptized Christians to be a holy priesthood. Those who identify with these and all of Luther's wider teachings are called Lutherans. But he goes on to say in this Wikipedia thing, his translation of the Bible into the German vernacular instead of Latin made it more accessible to the laity. It was an event that had a tremendous impact on both the church and German culture. The Reformation uh, was begun. It was started. And those who even came behind Luther built in what we call today Protestantism was built on the five solas of the Reformation. Let me just give to you what they are. The five solas are five Latin phrases popularized during the Protestant Reformation that emphasize the distinctions between the early reformers and the Roman Catholic Church. The word soli is the Latin word for only and was used in relation to five key teachings that defined the biblical pleas of Protestants. Now you've got to understand that the start, Luther was not trying to begin another movement. He was trying to reform what he understood and know to be wrong, to be false. But obviously there was great resistance to that in which uh, they were not going to reform. They were not going to acknowledge error, but they have continued into that error even to this day. And so you have Protestants and we refer to that. But here are the five solas. Sola Scriptura, Scripture alone. Sola Fide, faith alone. Sola Gratia, grace alone. Sola Christo, Christ alone. Sola De Gloria, to the glory of God alone. Those five tenets put forth by Luther is celebrated on October the 31st, not those five tenets, but his 95 theses and subsequently these five solas. Scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. The way of salvation had been skewed by the Catholic Church. It is a matter of keeping the sacraments. It's a matter of deeds. It's a matter of works. It's a matter of doing and adhering to what the Pope has to say. That is not biblical Christianity, not even close. 
And we oftentimes don't like the inference of acknowledging false belief systems. But as a parent, you would be very quick to tell your loved ones where there is lying danger, where there is that which would kill them. And that's the reason why you keep poison put up out of the way and not accessible to little toddlers. That's the reason why you warn your teenagers. And that's the reason why we warn one another. False Christ. And the Lord says here, many false Christ will arise. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 24, down in verse 24, I just read a while ago, he says, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs even if possible, to mislead or deceive the elect, those who are truly believers. And so they don't have to skew completely and totally, but just a little bit, just a little bit to get you off. I would remind, and you've heard me use this, and I'm not going to get into detail about it, but you've been here and the time that I've been here, and you've heard me use the example of a compass, And there are many degrees on a compass, but there's only one true north. And anything other than true north is not north. And what we need to be reminded, if there's anything that skews and takes away from what is the true, is not right, not correct. And it doesn't have to be 180 degrees. It can just be a degree or two. It can be very close, but if it's not right and it's not true, it's not right and it's not true. He says there's the Antichrist. I want you to turn to 1 John with me. In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle John writing, he says this. He says down in chapter 2, verse 18, little children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that Antichrist is coming, and we understand and we know, and there is the Antichrist, that revelation and Thessalonians speaks of during that great tribulation time frame that's going to come. And he is going to set himself up in the temple of God to be worshiped as God. But in the meantime, there will be other antichrist. Listen to what he says. Children, it is the last hour. And just as you heard that antichrist is coming, even now, many antichrists have appeared. From this we know that it is the last hour. That is the last days. And from the time of Christ's ascension until now, it is the last days. When is Jesus going to return? I don't know, but I can say this. It's a lot closer than what it used to be. And with every passing moment, it is getting closer. But he says here, even at the end of the first century, that many antichrists have gone out. Chapter 4, 1 John, verse 3. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. It's there. And again, we're not even talking 60 years past the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and Antichrist was prevalent in the world. And I want to say and remind all of us, it's not that we're talking about satanic worshipers or devil worshipers. We're talking about anyone, any group, any belief system that would skew 
and confuse the way, the true way, the biblical way of salvation. And somebody says, well, well, you just got finished talking about Catholicism. It skews. And if you are a Catholic, you hold to the tenets of Catholicism. You cannot be saved. Because it is a works-based salvation. People don't like hearing that, but I'm saying to you, Orthodox Christianity is based on what I just referred to as the solas. It is Christ alone, grace alone. It is faith alone. It is the glory of God alone. And it's all according to the scripture only. Are Mormons Christians? No. Are Jehovah Witnesses Christian? No. Not even all Baptists are Christian. Let that sink in and dwell on that for a moment. Second John, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world. Now again, we're not even out of the first century. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. Those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. You understand that there was an attack upon Christ, the second person of the triune Godhead. That's the reason why you do have confessions of faith and scholars and biblical scholars and those who were uh, adept in knowledge in the word of God got together and had to hammer out doctrine, sound doctrine, because there were so many false teachers out there. And the attack oftentimes comes either at the humanity of Christ or the deity of Christ. There are false teachers, false prophets, and false Christ. Do a little bit of an internet search if you wanted to, and you could go and down through the pages of history in Jewish life and in, even in Christianity to find out how many false Christ have there been down through the pages of, the, of church history. And it's unbelievable. And I've mentioned some of those just a couple of weeks ago. But the Lord says, you see to it, back in 24 and verse 4 of Matthew, you see to it that no one misleads you. And we've talked about this and the all-important aspect in the, of being able to look at the Bible, to discern from the Word of God like the Bereans searching the Scriptures. There's a dearth of knowledge when it comes to what the Word of God has to say. People don't seem to be interested in what does the Bible say. It's more based on emotion and more based on feeling. They are good people. So, Well, really. If we're going to be biblical, how many people are good? None. No, not one. And do good people die and go to heaven? No. Saved people die and go to heaven. And we need to understand those things. And what is at stake is eternity. The salvation of the soul. And we don't like being mean. We don't like being definitive. And we want to make room. And you'll even hear people, well-meaning people say, God's tent is big enough. As if to somehow, some way say, you got to be born again is to limit God. But God himself says, lest you be born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. 
And he says again, there is no other name given amongst men whereby men may be saved except that which is given. And so we, we don't like the idea of being narrow. But Jesus says, many will come in my name. Doesn't necessarily mean they'll claim to be Christ, although there will be one who will claim to be Christ. And there have been those who have claimed to be Christ. But many will come in my name. That is, they claim to be Christian. They, they claim to be followers of Christ. They claim to be teaching a good way, perhaps even a new way or a better way. But he says, you make sure nobody misleads you. I've shared this with you. I, many years ago, I had not been here as pastor, but just a little bit. And you can imagine a short guy like me coaching basketball. But it was my second year here, and I had girls that played basketball. And uh, girls from our church, and it was a Y team, and but I'll never forget the first year out there, and I actually offered to help. They didn't, lose, they didn't win any games the first year. Next year, I think we won every game. And so, but it was not that I know basketball to this day. I don't know basketball, but I know girls. I had four of them. Five, if you count my wife, but she was, you know, she did the raising instead of me, but we won't go there. But I'll never forget visiting with a, a woman in the stands and just inquiring, asking. She had moved here from Selma. And I just began to witness a little bit and uh, ask about her background. Well, she used to be Baptist, but she had converted to Mormonism. And my question is, how, how do you... How do you leave, and I'm, I'm assuming at that juncture that Baptists would fit with what I know, but I'm reminded today not all Baptists believe the same. There's some Baptist churches I'd never recommend people go to. But how do you leave supposedly a Bible-believing Bible-adhering belief system to go to the angel of Moroni and Joseph Smith, and if you live a good enough life and keep the tenets of Mormonism, one day you will arrive at Godhood and be the God of your own planet. How, how do you do that? They went out from us. But they all were not of us, First John 2 says. How, how do you leave being a Baptist and convert to Catholicism? Where you pray to dead saints. Where you believe that Mary is co-redemptrix. And you believe that the priest has the ability to dispense grace, that you believe when you partake of the Lord's table that you're actually ingesting the body and the blood of Christ. 
and you crucify him again unto yourself in the act of communion. How do you do that? Because you never were a believer to begin with. Now that sounds hard. It sounds harsh. But it's the truth, people. And there's just no way to skirt around the truth. Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 7, I want you to turn there real quick. And Jesus says in Matthew 24, you, you, you see to it. You see to it that no one misleads you. You see to it that no one deceives you. Now, we looked a couple weeks ago, and the best way to be able to determine and to discern what is false, fake, is to have a very good knowledge of what is real, what is true. And, and, you know, and I use the example of a $100 bill. And I couldn't tell you, you know, cause, and, and again, a counterfeiter, what they aim to do is to make the counterfeit as much like the real as absolute possible. They, they don't come with monopoly money and try to pay at the restaurant. No, they come with that which tries to, and seeks to look as close to the real. And, you know, I've been there, and you have too, where they take it out, and they'll put a little mark on it, and they'll hold it up looking for mark, this, that, and the other. But, but somebody that's trained can, I can't do that. But I want to say and remind all of us, in order for you to know what is true and genuine, what is real, you've got to know. What, you've got to know what the real is to be able to expose that which is false, that which is spurious, that which is counterfeit. And we're not just talking about a mere hundred dollars here, we're talking about eternity. How do you, how do you go into a system that is works-based, that is denies Christ and his finished atoning work in behalf of the believer, the sinner, into a workspace, I'm going to add to something. How do you do that? It's because one is ignorant of the word of God. And not only ignorant of the word of God, but they themselves are not true, genuine believers. And Jesus is finishing up the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. He's finishing it up in chapter 7. But he says in verse 15 something that you and I need to look at. He says, beware. If I go to somebody's house and yard's fenced in, and I see in big words, beware. I want you to know right now. The hair on the back of my neck stands up. I don't have a lot, but it'll stand up. And all of a sudden, the antennas go up, and I am extremely guarded. I'm looking. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure I'm going to get... I'll knock on the, on the fence. I'm not opening it up. and so Because usually when it says, beware, what comes with it? Of the dog. You know, you go in that fence and some chihuahua comes running around the corner. It's not a big deal. But right behind the chihuahua is a Rottweiler. That's two different things. 
God says here, Jesus says, beware, take notice, look, see, understand, beware. Why? Well, he tells us, beware of what? Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. They're pleasant, they're pleasing, they tell you what you want to hear, it, it tickles your ears, 2 Timothy 4. He says, beware of these individuals. They come and they present themselves as good people, nice people. They're not hard. They're not harsh. They're not authoritative. There's a lot of wiggle room. They'll even... Put it up there where you can have a multiple choice. You pick which one suits you best. He says, beware of these individuals. And, and they're coming to, to you in sheep's clothing, but they're wolves. Now what's, in, what, what's at stake here? Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, that is not everybody who claims to be a Christian will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the day is going to come when a person dies and the, the moment that takes place, they're expecting to go to heaven. They're expecting to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into thy rest. And instead they will hear, depart from me. I never knew you. And it's not just a few. It is the many. Are most Christians saved? And the answer is no. You say, wait a minute, pastor. Well, let, me, let me rephrase that for you. Most people who claim to be Christians are not Christian. You understand that? That's, he says in the preceding verses, by their fruit, you will know them. Jesus says in Matthew 24 and verse 4, you see to it that no one misleads you. Now back in previous verses in Matthew 7, he says something, something very simple. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who enter it. It's a gate. The gate says heaven. And there's two gates. One's wide, one's broad. And it's got over it heaven. And then there's another gate. It is restricted. It is narrow. And there are many who are entering by this gate that says heaven. And there are few that are entering into this gate that also says heaven. And all those who enter by this gate that is 
wide and broad, and many are entering. Don't go to heaven, but end up in a place called hell. Jude. You know the verse. You don't need to turn there, but just listen. Jude makes it very clear, even as Matthew 7 makes it very clear in verses 21 through 23. Listen to what he says. Verse 4, for certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Let's stop right there for a second. Who creeps in? Somebody that's not supposed to be there. Somebody creeps in unnoticed. They're up to no good. Somebody that creeps in unnoticed is a deceiver. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons, now listen to this, who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness. That is, freedom to sin, freedom to live any way you want to. A licentious life is an unruly life, an undisciplined life. A licentious life. And then listen to what it says. And deny our only master. And we looked at this a while back. The word master comes from the Greek word despot. We, you know what a despot is, don't you? And, and then he says, our only despot and Lord, and it's kurios. He, he says, they deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. You understand the difference between biblical Christianity and cultural Christianity, easy believism, and true biblical belief. It, it is a difference of acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. And it's not just something you say, it's something that, that permeates your entire life. Jesus is Lord. And when my life comes and is brought to bear according to the Word of God with God's Word, then what I do is not go my own way, do my own thing, but I yield and submit and I obey. Why do I do that? Because Jesus is Lord. Jesus says, you see to it that no one misleads you. If there were antichrist at the end of the first century, do you think there are antichrist at the beginning of the 21st century? Help me here, do you? And listen to this. That just simply means the devil has had 2,000 years to improve his technique. Go to 2 Corinthians with me, and we've already looked here, but again, I, these, are, these are things you, you need to know. We, we need to have it settled in our heart and mind. What is truth? Who has truth? Is the truth what some system says it is? What some ecclesiastical bodies determines it is or some ecclesiastical robed individual? No. 
I would remind you what 1 John says. If you're a believer, you don't need someone to teach you. And it doesn't take away from teaching ministry or pastoral ministry. But the Bible says in 1 John that you have the Holy Spirit of God who lives within you, who teaches you. Let me just give you a down-to-earth translation of that. My papa. would have been, I think, 108 last Sunday, something like that. Sixth grade education. Get out his King James Version of the Bible with no study notes. And he could read it. And he could understand it. And he could apply it because he was a believer and the Spirit of God lived within him. He did not need some guru to pervert it, to change it, and to do linguistic gymnastics with it to make it say something that it did not say. And so I want to say and remind all of us that we can read and we can know and we can understand what the Word of God has to say. You don't have to go to seminary in order to be able to read and know the Bible. Let me just get back to this. That's one reason why one particular ecclesiastical body tried as best they can to keep the written word of God out of the hands of the common man and to do their services in a foreign language that nobody understood. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Down in verse 12, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He said, but what I am doing, I will continue to do so that I may cut off opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the matter about which they are boasting. You understand, there are those that wanted to be regarded like Paul, but they really were not Paul, and they weren't teaching what Paul taught. And there are those even today that want to be regarded as biblical teachers, but they're not biblical teachers. They're teaching their own opinion. They're preaching their own visions, their own dreams. But they're not proclaiming the Word of God. He says in verse 13, for such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. I'm going to stop right here for a second. You know, while we're naming names, what about Kenneth Copeland, Joyce Myers, Paula White, and the li- Joel Osteen, and the list goes on and on and on. And you may cringe, but these individuals are not biblical teachers. Matter of fact, let me just remind you, the Bible has reserved, makes very clear the role of the pastor is to a man. That didn't have a thing to do with being chauvinistic, archaic, or anything else. It's just what the Word of God says. That's nothing to do with intelligence. I've told you before, I don't like my wife reading over my shoulder. Why? Because she reads faster than I do. It's intimidating. Listen to this. 
For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. The devil, he is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their, what? Their deeds. You will know them by their deeds. You know, I'm not perfect by any stretch. None of us are. You know, and if somebody's looking for a perfect church, the moment they walked in the door, they would mess it up. But the fact of the matter is, we are redeemed, amen? And we're to be living for Christ. I've been here 27 years. Again, I'm not perfect. I've got a son-in-law that's part of this ministry. He's even living in my house right now. And we'll be, Abigail says, for the next year and a half while they build a house. But I have 24 grandchildren. All of my children, I think except Angela and Russ, have lived with us along the way. And my wife has made it very clear, if I ever, if I ever violate my office, she'll be the first one to call the leadership together to expose me. Your deeds, how you live. And I think about, there's Linda Harrison over here. If you know Linda... Linda's been working at our church for 15, 20 years, more. I don't even know. But what a blessing. But all I'm saying is, while we're not perfect, if there is something amiss, God will bring it to light. But we're not preaching another Jesus. You look what he says here at the beginning of chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians. He says in verse 3, he says, I'm afraid that as the serpent, what did he do to Eve? He deceived Eve. You eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. And yes, they did because they all of a sudden had committed evil. Deceived Eve by his craftiness. Your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. He's writing to the church at Corinth. And you've got to be reminded here, we're not even probably 35 years down the road of the ascension of Christ and the formation of the church. And Paul is writing this letter. And there, and all, there are those that are preaching a different Jesus. Oh, they're preaching Jesus, but it's not this Jesus. They're preaching a different gospel, but it's not this gospel. They're damning is what they are. 
Because if you adhere to and hold to what they are teaching and preaching, it skews the way of salvation. Even Jesus in Matthew or John 5.43 says, if someone comes, if another comes in my name, you bear this beautifully. People always looking for something new. Tantalizing. Something that sort of invigorates. And I'll just say, what Solomon did in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. Now the Bible says that we are not to be deceived. I want you to turn, and let's just look real quick at a few verses. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, now see to it that nobody misleads you. Now, I'm not trying to listen. It, this may come across... Somebody asked me sometime, a while back, I heard a guy preaching, and it was like this. How do you wake up somebody without disturbing them? Uh, you can do it with a feather. You can do it by pulling the covers off. You can do it with a bucket of water, which is kind of overboard. But if the house is on fire, I don't care how you wake me up. Just wake me up. I don't want to go down with the house. And so I think if the house is on fire, you're not going to look for a feather to tickle my toes or to tickle my ear or nose to wake me up. Because it may take a little while to wake me up if you use a feather. And if you're going to try to wake me up because the house is on fire, I doubt very seriously you're going to say, Glenn, oh Glenn, are you asleep in there? It's time to get out of the house. The house is on fire. If the house is on fire... And your dog is in the house. You'll have more unction about you than that for sure. But if it was your loved one, you tell me. Your child, your parent, your spouse. How much would the urgency would there be there? Does not the New Testament say in Jude, snatching them as so from the fire. So he says here, don't be deceived. There's got to be some urgency here. Listen to what he says here in, in chapter five, 6 and verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Let me just say that in plain English. They ain't going to heaven. That's good south, southern poor English. They ain't going. You understand that? Now, if you've got a dispute with that, then you've got a dispute with the word of God. The unrighteous are not going. Then he says this, do not be deceived. Neither fornicators. What is that? Those that are involved in sexual relationships outside of the boundaries of marriage. Nor idolaters. Nor adulterers. Those who cheat on their spouses. Nor effeminate. That's the passive person partner in a homosexual relationship. And then he says, nor homosexuals. Nor thieves, those who steal, whether it's stealing answers off of a test, things from work, or whatever it may be. Nor the covetous, always wanting what somebody else has. Nor drunkards, nor revilers, those who slander with their mouth, those who tear people down with their mouth. Nor swindlers. 
And then in case you miss it, he says, we'll inherit the kingdom of God. See, I just don't even know. And of course, the big thing where we are today is same-sex marriage and everything else. How can anybody in a pulpit with a serious face say that if you are a practicing or even in, if you're not practicing, but that's your proclivity, that you're going to go to heaven? But their whole church is based on that. How do you do that? We may as well have a church for liars, church for murderers. But I like what the next verse says. Such were some of you. Aren't you glad you got a past? Amen. Forgetting what lies behind, pressing on. Because I got news for you, friend. All of us were liars, thieves. All of us, all of us have broken every single command. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. But he says, don't be deceived. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. Who you run with? Who do you hang with? He says, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, this shall he also Reap. James 1.16 says, do not be misled. Don't be misinformed. 1 John 1.8 talks about self-deception. James 1.20 says, 2 says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only who delude, who deceive their own selves. Self-deception. 1 John 2.26 says, There are those who are trying to deceive you. 1 John 3.7 says, Little children, make sure no one deceives you. Revelation over and over and over again speaks of the devil who deceives the whole world. It's very simple. Jeremy saying a while ago, the way of the cross leads home. And there is no other way to get there but by way of the cross. Fact of the matter is, if the Bible is correct, and I believe that it is, Jesus died that the sinner may be forgiven and may be given eternal life. Now, that's just not a blanket thing in the sense that everybody's going to heaven. Because the Bible makes that very clear, not everybody is. But if the sinner would confess that he is a sinner, and that it is his sin that separates him from God, it is his sin 
that puts him in a position of being condemned before God and there's nothing I can do about it. I am helpless and I am hopeless. And at the same time, I realize in accordance to what the word of God says that Jesus, who is God, became man and took my place. And according to Colossians chapter 2, he took the handwriting and ordinances that was against me and hostile to me, and he has nailed it to the cross. And if I will place my faith and trust in Jesus as Lord, and he is my Lord, all who would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But one must humble themselves and come to him in simple, childlike faith. Don't be misled. You cannot contribute not one ounce of anything to your salvation. You don't do anything to get it. You don't do anything to keep it. And you can't do anything to lose it. But you have to trust him. Do you? Jesus says, you see to it that no one misleads you. You see to it. Let's pray together. We are glad you joined us today. If you have any questions about what was discussed on today's podcast, send us a message on Facebook. Email us at info at eastmemorial.org or call our church office at 334-365-7500. Thanks for listening.